This message is brought to you by Heartland Family Fellowships. Hi, my name is Steve Finney, and I will be your speaker today. We thank you for listening in on our podcast and hope that the Lord does bless you as you listen today. We want to welcome our online listeners this morning. I am overjoyed with the level of activity that's going on with our new Indian listeners over in India. It is very exciting to uh, get the testimonies uh, throughout the week of what God is doing in regard to this series that God has led us to do on proud people versus humble people, which we have named the art of brokenness. This morning, our title is The Secrets to Humility. As I was praying through this message this week, Uh, I really believe that the Lord had revealed to me this was going to be very painful for quite a few people. I don't like giving sermons because they're sermons. I usually war over my sermons. I am pleading with God as I'm going through it. And I am asking for deeper truths uh, to reach the deeper part of the souls and hearts of people. So as we uh, start our message, we need to talk about our theme for this particular week. The theme is arrogant people or people with pride act independent, self-reliant, self-sufficient, and purpose to prove that they can make it on their own. The number one mistake that is made in society, the Western civilization actually, It's kind of all over the world now, but Americans became very, very, very good at it. And that is to bring the sin of comparison into training up your children. You put them on a rating system, on a scorecard, on a report card. You want to start rating their level of intelligence. You want to start rating their level of artistic ability. You want to start rating them. This civilization that we live in has developed a a system where we can pretty much tell any student where they are, whether they are a failure, they're right above failure, that's called the letter D, or if they get a C, they're kind of average, if they get a B, they're close but not quite, and if they get an A, they're right on target, if they get an A+, they have arrived, and if they go above A+, they're considered gifted children. I was a part of the research team in Colorado that came up with a label called ADD. And I can tell you that that label is an absolute joke. It was put together in order to get insurance monies because the label hyperactive disorder was no longer acceptable by the USDA. What I noticed as an observer, I was simply an intern supposed to take notes. But what I noticed as an observer is that these kids were nothing more than very special gifted children of God, not of mankind. So what we have done is we've actually taken spiritual gifting that has been given to our children, all of us, and we have turned it into some type of 
rating system to make them independent so when they graduate from high school they're self-sufficient they don't need us anymore it's not until you hit your late 50s do you realize you made that mistake because they don't want to be around you anymore they don't need to be around you anymore the integrity of families being passed from generation to generation has slipped through your fingers and some societies that are listening to this message right now know exactly what I'm talking about there's also some cultures my Jewish messianic Jew friends know that what I'm talking about is what they fight every day of their lives because it is absolutely significant for them to keep grandpa connected with son grandson and great-grandson the reason why that we have the Christian community adding and diluting the word today is because there are no spiritual fathers to lock their beliefs in place now in the groups that you do have mentors and spiritual fathers of four generations not two two generations would be I am one generation and I have a mentor four generations is what is required to stop self-sufficiency because I understand that you must have four generations of mentorship breathing before you can lock the scriptures in place that's the way it's always been so when we raise self-reliant children self-sufficient children to be independent for the purpose that they can make it on their own there will come a day when you will either be sorry by society or you will be sorry by familiar or family that you did this we are left in the church today to feel there's something wrong with us if we believe in the integrity of integrated family there are labels that are given to integrated families that they're too dependent their children are too socially inept there and it goes on and on and on I don't care if you homeschool or not because that's not the issue the issue is the sin as Christians as born-again indwelt believers of Jesus Christ training up self-reliant self-sufficient and independent children that become independent adults and that's why we have segregation in our churches today as a history nut I'm telling you in church history the reason why we have 3002 3002 registered denominations in America the reason why that we have those is because of this arrogance you're staring at right now because once you become independent you don't want to be with a group anymore you want to be unique you want to be special so if you don't like someone you peel off and you start second baptist church fourth baptist church and it goes on and on and on and on this is destroying the body of Christ and the sad thing about it is the majority if not all of the members of these 3002 registered denominations under the 501c3 status you can get the statistics too it's easy 
The reason is simply because they don't want to look like the other. Clothing is built upon this dynamic, the sin of comparison. Singing, the music industry, all of media is built upon this. You always have to be just a little bit different. So our society is pushing our children into being a little more different. So they do their hair different. They do their style different. Because this sells in the society of today. It does. It makes billions of dollars as we sit here this morning. Sameness does not make money. You see, there are some cultures out there that wear the same dresses. All the ladies wear the same dresses. And all the guys wear the same hats and the, and the same shoes and so forth and so on. And so there are levels within their groups. And I've had some discussions with the Amish. Why can you drive a tractor and you can't drive a truck? How come you can... You see, these, these rules that we create and subgroups within our groups that we create is absolutely ridiculous to the observer but not to the one who holds to them you see that that doesn't affect our society that doesn't affect my country that I live in right now I can tell you if we came into your country and did an evaluation of your community you would find that it is this sin that's stopping Christianity from multiplying within your community but see, we all suffer from this. This is not just several of us in this room suffering with this sin. We all suffer with the sin of independence. God has to spend our entire Christian life reducing us to have not I, but Christ. The self-life has to be crucified with Christ Jesus. And it is on the day of your salvation, but you don't get it. So what does God have to do from the day of your salvation? He has to reduce your self-life to nothing. For you to be able to say, Galatians 6.3, For he who thinks he's something when he's nothing deceives himself. Here is the humble statement. Those of you who are listening online, there's actually notes that you can get by going back to the media library and clicking on notes and you will get this slideshow in printed for, for you in printed form it has the audio message embedded into it humble people of humility and brokenness know without a question that they are dependent creatures and in need of God Jesus and the Holy Spirit in others you see, when I meet a born-again, indwelt Christian, the Spirit of God inside me bears witness with the Spirit of God inside you. That bearing witness brings encouragement to my soul. It makes me feel better. When you avoid body members, particularly body members that ooze the Holy Spirit like a lot of others don't, you are starving yourself in the body of Christ. Why do we want to get to the point where we're sharing with each other? It's so the Spirit can bear witness and confirmation of truth. 
I don't know exactly what is truth until truth finds its witness. Do you understand that? My mind is so humanized that I need truth to bear witness for confirmation. And I can't have that without body life. So if I think I can figure it out on my own, I am deceived. We need mentors. Downline and upline. It's very critical. Consider this. The lack of love, all indifference to the needs of others, their feelings, to their weaknesses, all sharp and godship judgments, and verbiage of lordship, so often excused under the banner of being outspoken and honest. All forms of temper and touchiness, all feelings of selfishness and bitterness are all rooted in nothing but pride which only seeks self-crowning. Now I like the Olympians like the, the next guy. I have a couple of my favorites and you know when they win their medal they get on their knee and they point towards God and they make sure that the whole world knows that they're not about this. But you know what? What I just read you, I believe the majority of the Christians would say, that's not me. But I'm here to tell you that this is every Christian. Because every Christian has flesh. And the flesh wages war against the spirit, and the spirit wages war against the flesh. All of us, every day, have the potential to not love others as Christ loves them and when we don't all these things Godship judgment does someone want to explain to us what Godship is doing God's job you're on God's ship as a guest you have no right to grab the captain's wheel and when you do you are asserting yourself as God when you have judgments on someone, you're saying, I am above Jesus Christ. You may not say you're above God. But see, Jesus himself said, I didn't come to judge. I came to serve. But he also had a big mouth. People think that he walked around passively talking under trees and, you know, sipping on his uh, Mediterranean tea. That was not Jesus. The point being this. He was a man that could easily be judged because he would not judge. Now just think about that. For some reason, we humans think that we have to do some judging if someone else is not going to do it. We usually do it through a thing called gossip. The only thing gossip is doing is, is setting off a verse, and I'll quote it for you, is every word that proceeds out of the mouth of man is recorded in the book of life. See, my thoughts are not his thoughts and my ways are not his ways. And when we run around and we're judging people in our heads and we're summing them up and we've got our little measuring stick out, the first thing I want to ask you who are listening is where in God's name did you get that measuring stick? Who did you steal it from? Who does it belong to? Because I can tell you today, Jesus Christ didn't 
give it to you. If you're measuring people up against yourself and others, you have stolen a measuring stick from a bunch of turkeys that God has said to them, you will go to hell unless you enter in through my son. And what do we do? Drag our measuring sticks of degrees from education to sports to music to parenting to on and on and on and on. And Jesus Christ himself says, I did not come to judge. Who's the judge? God the Father. It was none of Jesus' business, but yet we think we can do it? An opinion is a judgment. Don't ever forget that. Remember the Hebrew word picture for opinion? Opinions are wings. You're oppressive, you're pushing, you're revealing yourself. It's self-revealing. That's where the word opinion from Hebrew word pictures came from. What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it not your own members waging war with itself? You're not fighting the devil. You're contributing to his works. How is it that our eyes are rarely open to the obvious signs of pride? I lied this week. I had to go to my daughter, my wife, and I had to admit that I lied. That's all fine and dandy. It was wonderful and God restored us. But you know what? I had to walk away and deal with God. He actually was dealing with me before it. And I wasn't interested in, oh God, you know, I, I lied. Why did I lie? You know, blah, blah, blah. I was really interested in me being set free from the why so I would not repeat it. Just asked me about a particular area, and, uh, and I told her the response. I just didn't tell her all of it. It's a lie. You see, I didn't want to fail. I didn't want to look like a failure. The reason why that we, we rarely have our eyes open to the white lies particularly is because of failure. I don't want to be looked at as a failure as less than maybe how my daughter looks at me. How do you think I felt after I had to admit to a lie? My, my daddy lied to me? Well, that's worse. So what do you got to do? Lie upon lie upon lie upon lie upon lie. Pretty soon you got about 658,000 of those pushing you every day. That's what children are like when they become adults and they're very deceiving when you meet them. They have about 650,000 lies pushing them every day because they've stacked them that far in advance. They can't live in victory. So they have to live, live according to a measurement given to the Christians. You have to grab a hold of that measuring stick and take it from the devil. Because he knows he can't force it on you. The next time you measure someone by your opinions, I pray that you think this through very, very carefully. Who sits here this morning and thinks that he is wise and understanding? If you truly are, show by your humble, meek, and broken lives in the gentleness of God's wisdom.
But know this, listeners, if you have any form of jealousy, wanting what others have, and selfish determination in your life, do not be so arrogant and proud as to lie against the engagement to Christ Jesus, your groom. That kind of wisdom is not that which comes from your Savior and your Lord, but is from the devil, which is earthly, advances you on earth, natural, makes sense, and demonic of a demon from Satan. Remember this, whenever you see jealousy and selfish ambition in your life, there is disorder in every kind of evil Satan can throw at you. All I did is took the passage in James and got on my knees and I said, God, please, as usual, make this personal to me. It's how I put my sermons together. I take the passage, I study, pray, and ask God to give me a statement. It's for me to understand it because my mind is clogged with lies of the enemy through our environment, through past presentations, memory, and from the fear of failure. To get the truth clearly, you have to strip yourself of any opinions except for God's. You see, are we in the final phase of our marriage with Christ, yes or no? That was a trick question. Because in the Jewish Hebrew laws and traditions, when you are engaged to someone, you're actually married to them. There's not been a wedding feast yet. So we are in our engagement to Jesus Christ until we get to heaven. All of us are in heaven. Then we have a wedding feast. It's a celebration. It's a public ceremony saying, you now, Jesus Christ, can sanctify this marriage. And he does. We are engaged to him. We're betrothed. That's where the term word truth comes from. So when we are selfish, we are lying against our own engagement. We're trying to make ourselves as good as our husband. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not there. And I'll never be there. That's why there is a standard upon earthly relationships that women are supposed to take their spiritual gifting, their intellectual knowledge, and their environmental support system and invest it in their man, their groom. They were made to invest in their man, not to compete alongside him, not to show herself up as an independent. That's what we've done to the body of Christ. We have independent bridal members running around on the face of the earth thinking they are equals to the groom. You want to know why our church is sick? Because of our marriages. They're making decisions in Washington. In 2015, I have been told that the institution of marriage will be dissolved in America. Because if they approve marriages for homosexuality, then there's a certain religion that's coming in for plurality of wives. The Muslims will reenact the plurality of wives in America. And then, marrying 13-year-olds will be reenacted in America. 
I've been told by politicians that there's a dangerous movement happening, that people think they're arguing over homosexual marriages, same-sex marriages. They have no clue what's coming around the corner. That's how Satan works. Our church is being destroyed as we sit here this morning because we think we are as equal as Christ. God, I'm sorry for even having to say that. There's just no way I could ever rise up to become an equal to Jesus Christ. What godship is that? But yet we do it in our marriages 24 hours a day. Why do men become more and more passive and the work statistics are flipped on us? You answer the question. It's not because men are better or, or, or women are weaker. That is such an old argument, it just makes me sick. We are damaging the image of our marriage to Jesus Christ. Our marriages on earth are to be an example of what that looks like. Satan is very clever. What would be the effect within yourself and those around you if the relations toward other saints and the world, if you were truly guided by the humility of Jesus in you? So what really, seriously, would that look like? Humility means, remember, a little less than human. I would think you would at least want to be humble in your relationship to Jesus. I would think that. You're a little less than him. Maybe. He's the God of the universe. I'd like to see you stop a star. I'd like to see you stop the earth for a day. I'd like to see you create. You arrogant believer, you. I'm one of them. That I think I could dare be an equal to Jesus Christ. If we fix our hearts on our own lack of Christ's humility in us, which is, by the way, has been revealed in the likeness of Christ himself, and fix our eyes on the very character of his divine redemption nature, it's who he is, and lives and breathes within us after salvation. It's not a concept. It's not something you memorize. He lives and breathes inside of us. Well, being humbled by God would be welcomed as a morning spring rain. Instead of fighting it and resisting it, you are literally resting in being humbled. I'm going to use our famous swimmer as an example. He got his 18th gold medal or 15th gold medal or something. Well, they did an interview afterwards, and that's what I was interested in hearing. The fact that this guy can get medals is, that's just humorous. Okay, he's considered the most decorated athlete in history. So in his interview, you know, he was being asked a lot of things, but what the interviewer wanted to know is, why was there a shift this week? What, what happened in you that, that you shifted from this, as he called himself, lazy, the beginning when he was interviewed? And he gave an answer I still can't remember. It's relaxing, have fun, and yeah, 
smiled a lot. I'll tell you what happened. It was my guesstimate. You see, he realized he's the highest decorated person in the entire world and in history. There's no more metal to do that. He's the best of the very best. He's the Michael Jordan of swimming, which he actually said that. So you have a tendency to relax when you know I am the best. There's no reason to compete. There's no reason to push for a medal. There's no reason I am the best I have achieved, as he said, everything that I have ever worked for. Now, even though that's really whacked, okay, it's a very bold statement, and he can easily be brought down within a year. But there's truth in what he said. If Christians would realize they have the reward already, they have the gold medal around their neck that says, why, why compete? Why, why try to be better than the next Christian where, where I am not inferior to the most eminent Christian? Remember the statement that Paul made after, therefore I'm well content with insults, persecutions, and distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Verse 11, he said, I should have been commended by you folks, but he should have been commended, taken care of by the body of Christ. It was the body of Christ, his own people, that were persecuting him. And he said, I am not inferior to the most eminent apostle. Go look up eminent. You'll find it yourself. Eminent is the absolute best. And Paul's saying, I'm not inferior to him. I am the best. It's Christ in me. When Christ preaches through Ian, when Christ preaches through me, when Christ preaches through anyone, you are not inferior to the most metal-carrying athlete in the entire world. So rest. Why did he relax? Why did he do well? Why did he even do better? Is because he didn't care about getting the reward anymore because he already got the label. We're eagles. We are the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We carry the medal of heaven. There's no reason to strive anymore. Secrets to humility. Number one, study the humility of Jesus in you. Not study the word humble. It is study the humility of Jesus Christ in you. I'm telling you, it will set you free. Bask in what you find. Bask in it of what you find. So in other words, you're going to meditate daily. Number three, believe that Christ will accomplish this in and through you. You can't just say, well, that was a great study. I always uh, kind of chuckle on the inside. I try not to on the outside because it's very offensive to people. But I chuckle on the inside when I'm talking to a Christian or say, well, this week I'm studying about the, the grape on the, in the cluster of the fruit of the spirit of patience. Well, how's that going for you? Well, I'm really focusing on, on uh, well, I have a little card on my desk, and each, each week, you know, I change the card to the, 
to a different, you know, character quality. That's well, we know how ridiculous that is. You see, the vine does what the vine does. The branch does what the branch does. If they stay connected and abiding to each other, there's going to be grapes. You see, you don't practice grapes. You don't pray grapes. You don't memorize grapes. You don't do a study on the grapes. You get the grapes as a gift because you're abiding in the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me shall have, and then he mentions the fruit. You see, we take Bible studies like it's some kind of a way to pound in the plastic fruit from Walmart and so that we can glue it on so as we walk by people, we appear and look and sound spiritual. In reality, you're dead. You're dying on the inside, but you don't want to tell anyone about that by your fears and phobias. It's called lying. Know this. Number one, God the Father required His Son to humble Himself, serve those that, that should have served Him, and then wash their feet. Who here has been a part of a feet-washing ceremony? Seriously, I just like, no. We, had, we belonged to a church in Sheldon, Iowa that, that was literally a part of the communion. And it just flat weirded us out. But see, when you're new, you can do your wife's feet or your wife can do your husband's feet. But once you're no longer new, you had to do a stranger. And then after a stranger, you had to do someone you didn't like. Someone who you knew betrays you, gossips about you. <laughs> now you're there. Now you're where Jesus was living. It's powerful. Number two, humility was put into all indwelt Christians, whether they wanted it or not. If my true character is humble, see, therefore, when I'm not. I have to ask myself the question, what is going on here? If I lie, white lies, or lie, outright lies, or lie through silence, or what, what am I doing? Why, why am I acting this way? It's because I am equally as guilty as the person holding up the measuring stick. It's very easy to lie to people that have a yardstick in front of you. Jessica did not have a yardstick in front of me, but I felt like there was one. That's when we lie. I don't want to look lesser, feel lesser, so I'll just say something. That was recorded in the Book of Life. And there's a thing called reconciliation for us to get the blood red mark through that. And I needed to go under conviction and ask that person, please forgive me. Not doing that does not bring closure here on earth. It will in heaven. You, you're not going to go to hell for committing two or two million sins. If you are an indwelled Christian, you're going to heaven. God wants us to have health and healing with each other here on earth. And that is closing off lies, stealing, all that kind of stuff by going to the person and say, I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? 
Three, Christ through the indwelt Holy Spirit gives honor to his Father by serving others through us. When we block his work with pride, we squelch the Holy Spirit. Now I want to show you something. This is really ugly. I asked the Lord to give me some classic scriptures that he has used for generations in regard to the ugliness of pride and what it does to the Holy Spirit. Did you know that in every language, you can Google this, it's how I found it. Do you know that in every language in the entire world, the swear word, God damn it, is in that language? Every language. Did you know that in every language in the entire world, the swear word, Jesus Christ, saying it like that, is in every language. Now isn't that a little odd that 96 plus percent of those cultures deny the presence of Jesus Christ, but when they're upset, it comes out of their mouth. When they're upset, they damn the God of the universe. They don't even believe in him. Did you know that atheists themselves are equally guilty of these two swear words? Why is this? Well, that's not the question I had. Why there is no swear word of the Holy Spirit? Oh, oh, Holy Spirit. Why not? Because there's an unspoken standard in the spiritual world not to come against the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has the eight adjectives in Hebrew of a woman. And in the Greek, it has the same eight adjectives that describe woman. The Holy Spirit has no name. They're adjectives. The Holy Spirit is never to be insulted. As a woman is never to be insulted if she belongs to a man. He's to protect her provide for her, care for her, be willing to go to battle for her. Do you see the reason why that Jesus Christ is coming back in the battle of Armageddon is every person that ever insulted his bride will be dealt with. I really hope you see this. This is not about the complexity of theology. Jesus is coming back to deal with everyone who insulted the Holy Spirit, which is inside the bridal members of his own son. Do you see this connection? If not, you must pray. You must understand that the arguing of theology over the end times, pre, post, mid, during, after, on the side, all those details do not matter. What does matter is Jesus is coming back to harshly judge everyone who hurt his bride. And men abuse their women in fruitful quarreling and arguing and hitting and slapping and divorcing and all this warring among themselves. Why? Because he's an arrogant man who does not understand the gospel of Jesus Christ.
That's the simplicity of the gospel of the end times. I don't know how else to tell it to you. Oh, but I know I'll get emails this week about the arguing of post-millennial to millennialist versus, oh, it'll go on and on. Because people hide behind facts when they're uncomfortable with the truth. Here's the scriptures. Acts 5.3, but Peter said, Aniasis, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? You see, we think we're lying to each other. But the fact is, is when I didn't give the full answer to Jess, I was lying to the Holy Spirit. Well, we know what happened to this story. It was very ugly. You mess with the Holy Spirit and you're in trouble. You may not lose your salvation, but I'll tell you what, you can lose success just like that of what it is that you're doing because you are lying to the Holy Spirit because Satan filled your heart with a lie. You don't come up with lies. They're given to you like that measuring stick. You have to take the lie. You have no ability to come up with a lie in your own mortal soul. It's given to you. Second one, you men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart. And ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. To be circumcised, to keep it in the world of science, could someone please explain to me what that is? Kind of embarrassing to talk about. It's to take the excess skin off of a male penis and cut it off because it's excess, it's flesh. To have a circumcised heart, it is God actually taking the flesh of your inward heart, your flesh, and taking it, pulling it, and cutting it off and throwing it from you. That is being broken and humbled by the living God. Those who do not or who are fighting that are resisting the Holy Spirit. Not your job, not your wife, not your husband. It is you're resisting the Holy Spirit. And then the next one is, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Next one. So he who rejects this is not rejecting man, but the God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Anytime you reject me or I reject you for speaking truth, you're not rejecting me. I can guarantee you that. You're rejecting Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit because it's truth. That's why I can't take credit. It's the Holy Spirit's work. Next one. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice. Pride stops us from hearing the voice of God. So there's only one other voice to, to listen to, right? You? Boy, are you deceived. Boy, am I deceived if we think we have a, a, a third identity in this universe. There is God and there is Satan. Either Satan puts a lie in your head or God puts a truth in your head. Hey, please, I beg of you, someone to give me scriptures that says there's a third entity in the universe. There isn't. Humanism has taught us that there's a third entity in our culture. Humanism has taught us that there's a third entity in the universe. We have our own thoughts. We have our own identity in the universe. It's called humanism. 
This is simply not true. Two forces. Last one. You men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, are always resisting the Holy Spirit. Finishing with this. Here's what humility is. Humility releases you to speak. When they arrested you and hand you over, do not worry before, beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Holy Spirit. You see, I can study all day long and come up with some clever things, but see, when the Spirit says, I'll tell you what's going on with that person. I'll tell you what needs to be said in that portion. You do your studying, yes. But it is the Spirit and listening carefully to the Lord to reveal what's really going on in the room. What's going on in that counseling session. I think they call it Spirit-led counseling or preaching. Next one. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. It's like a woman. The primary teacher of the home is not the man. I don't know where we get that. It's the woman. She, Jane reading this story is going to have a greater impact on, than me reading the story. There's a reason for that. Look up the eight adjectives that describe a woman and the Holy Spirit and you'll get it. Humility releases you to be powerful, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you even to the remote parts of the earth. Humility releases to see God, but being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into the heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And then our last scripture is, Now may God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anything you do that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit is empowering self-life, self-reliance. Anything that you do that is self-reliant empowers the work of Satan. That's as simple as I can say it. Only humble people will see the power of grace in truth, engagement, consistently allowing permission, it's an actual mission, consistently allowing permission to serve or as servants to let God be all in the purity of which they surrender themselves to his working in their mortal body. In other words, whatever you want to do inside me, Christ, I'm game. Truly, it is the humble and broken that will see who the he is in me. If you think that humble and broken people are passive and doormatish, then you're not catching on to what I'm saying. I am far more powerful in presentation than I've ever been before in my entire life because I continually get broken every day. It does the opposite effect. You see, the swimmer actually got more medals once he made the turn. He called it smiling more. He let go of performing. There's actually more power if you do this. Thank you for joining us today. 
Heartland Family Fellowship is a local church plant here in Sterling, Kansas. Our fellowship includes the family and all levels of worship. Our mission is to bring families back together spiritually, relationally, and physically. Many people ask us, what does that really mean, or how does it benefit them? Well, it means that you can bring your entire family to any of Heartland's events, and we will work to keep the focus on God, Jesus Christ, and the body of Christ without dividing up the family at the front door. If you're interested in learning more about our fellowship or other family-integrated fellowships, please log on to our website. That is www.heartlandfellowships.org. We thank you for joining us. Get yourself in a bind, lose a shirt off your back. Need a floor, need a couch, need a bus fare.